Welcome to another inspirational teaching from Faith Family Church. For more information about our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that um, today is a, a very important day and that your grace is sufficient. Because of what you've done, we can do what you've called us to do. We thank you for Pastor Chris who's going to deliver this word. We thank you for the anointing that's on him. And Father, we receive more than he gives because you are behind the words. It's in Jesus' matchless name that we pray. Amen. Life truly is better together. And life is amazing when we do things God's way. Some things that I want to talk to you guys about today is life group. And I think it's so important if you guys just look at what the Bible says about life groups. This isn't something that we as a church do. This is who we are. Life groups are the cells of Faith Family Church. And if your cells are heavy, or not heavy, if your cells are healthy, the body will be healthy. We are not here to have a program of life groups. We are here to grow as a church, and how we can grow as a church is through the life groups. I want to share with you guys this. There's two types of gathering in Scripture. There's the large group worship, and then there's the small group fellowship. And one thing that you can never get in the service is fellowship. You might say, oh, why well, say hi to somebody and bye to somebody? That's not fellowship. You can have people that you go to school with your entire lives. I'm talking about from first grade to 12th grade. Never know anything about them. But be cool with them and say hi and bye. And my encouragement to you today is, is that if you're here in the church, listen to what the word says and see what God can do in your life. Acts 5.42 says this. It says, They met day after day in the temple courts and from house to house. See, there's two things. The temple courts were large areas where they could gather together, and then the small fellowship or the life groups or the, the small groups was house to house. And that's how the church grew. You might say, oh, well, this is just a reason to grow the church. Exactly. I want to tell you right now, Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations. How do we make disciples of all nations? We gather corporately as a church, and Sundays, I promise you this, you're going to have an awesome time in the presence of the Lord worshiping him, and I promise you at Faith Family Church, we're going to feed you. You're going to be fed. But I also say this, we'll focus on the feeding part if you focus on the, the working of the ministry. We're going to focus on the feeding you and the equipping you for the work of the ministry so you're empowered to impact your world around you. You guys hearing what I'm saying? Okay. Our life groups are cells of the church. Our church is not a church that does life groups. We are a church of life groups. We can't just preach a message. Here's what happens, and you might have experienced this when you were younger or previously before coming to Faith Family Church. And what happens is most churches preach the message of Jesus Christ. Would you agree with that? Okay. I mean, I can agree to that. 
A lot of churches preach the methods or the message, but we're not preaching or doing the methods of the scripture. See, the reason we do life groups is that you can have the fellowship that they had in Acts, that you can have the, the growth, the accountability. You know, the Bible is interesting because it's God's revealing of himself on how he as God created man for a purpose. And you know that mankind does better when we're in groups together? Mankind does better when we enter into life experiences together. At Faith Family Church, I want you to know this, we are not a one-man show. And part of the, the, the great thing that we have at Faith Family Church is that everybody does their part and they do it well. And what I mean by that is Pastor Mike and Donna got sick a year ago. Was it 2021, Pastor Mike? 2021. They were out of church for over a month. So over a month they were out of church, yet the church did great. And you might say, well, that kind of sounds like you're preaching that you don't need Pastor Mike, Pastor Donna. No, Pastor Mike and Pastor Donna have done an amazing job of equipping us, all of us, so that it's not a message built around them. We're not a ministry built on Pastor Mike and Pastor Donna. We're a ministry built on Jesus Christ. And we're a ministry that's built on the Word of God so that when the devil comes to attack, our church didn't go under. It attacked. It almost killed them. Yet we have people here that have been brought up and taught by Pastor Mike, Pastor Donna, been shepherded on the importance of doing what the Word of God says. And Pastor Mike and Pastor Donna aren't like this. See, some leaders are weak, and everything has to be about them. But the great thing about our leaders and Pastor Mike and Pastor Donna is that everything's about him, and that they want you to tap into what God is trying to do in your life, that God's already prepared for you in your life. And when you realize that you have leaders that are not here to have a congregation to where the congregation needs them, but that people are equipped, fed, and empowered to do what God's called them to do, that's when church grows. That's what this church is about. Uh, I'm going to share with you something. It's Exodus 18. Nick doesn't have it because I'm just going to do my commentary about it. Exodus 18, you have Moses, and Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt. And all of a sudden, he went from just being over his family to now being over at least a million people. And what would happen is he would wake up in the morning, and he would deal with their problems. He was the judge. He was the counselor. He was the uh, manager. Like, he was being exhausted. And his father-in-law came up to him and said, Moses, what you're doing is going to kill you. He said, it's not right for you to take up all these people's problems. And Jethro was his father, father-in-law's name. He said, you need to get other people to do the work or the ministry with you. So Moses took it to heart, and Moses ended up making leaders. He had leaders that were over 10 people, leaders that were over 50 people, and leaders that were over 100 people, and then leaders that were over 1,000 people. And when he did that, he was able to get rest, and the people were able to get things done. So instead of having to wait in a long, long line for talking to Moses, they were able to have a direct connect, and ministry was able to happen. You might say, well, what ministry? Life circumstances and God showing up in the middle of it. You guys ever had life circumstances happen? If you don't raise your hand, you're lying in church. 
<laughs> so I'm just saying. And if you're not raising your hand, you're just really not here. <laughs> so anyway, during the first 25 years of church history, the church grew from 120 people to over 100,000 people in Jerusalem. And I'm just going to go with some facts for you. I like facts. I like numbers. But this is something interesting. Jerusalem had 250,000 residents. Now, that's not including the people that would come over for the, the Passover or come over for festivals. They would visit. But it actually had about 250,000 residents. I didn't know it was that boring, but... <laughs> In these 250,000 residents, over 100,000 of them had converted as Jesus Christ their Lord. Where did they all meet? They couldn't go in the temple. You're only able to go in the temple once a year. But they went in the temple courts. That was their, let's say, Sunday morning celebration. And they met from house to house. Acts 5.42, you have it? Let's put it back up again. What does it say? They met day after day in temple courts and from house to house. It's so important for you guys to grab hold of what God's doing, that you guys realize the importance of what God said in his word. You know the church has never grown as fast as what it did in the first 25 years? And in the, or the first 300 years of the church being the church is the fastest it's ever grown in history. And in the first 300 years of the church, for most of the time, we're talking 90 plus percent, it was illegal to be a Christian. And within that 300 years, it went from being illegal to be a Christian, Rome dominated the land, it was the Roman Empire, and because it was illegal to serve Jesus, these people knew what they were getting into. If you're going to serve Jesus, you're probably going to be thrown in with lions, like real lions, you know, not just what we say, I'm getting thrown to the lions. These are real lions that were going to kill people. You were going to lose your, your standing in society, and there's a good chance your family could be harmed or abused, and yet the church grew. You might say, oh, well, we, we don't like pressure. Historically, the church never does better unless it has pressure. When pressure to where you find out who God is really to you, and who you are really to God. When the pressure comes, are you going to be faithful to the one who is first faithful to you? Okay, so Acts um, one fifteen, you have 120 believers. Then on the day of Pentecost, you have 3,000 believers. So you go from 120 to 3,000 people saved and baptized. You might say, well, large churches are a phenomenon. Large churches are not a phenomenon. Actually, historically, megachurches were how it was designed. But it was not designed to be a church about pastors. It was designed to be a church about Jesus Christ and people growing. On Acts, in Acts 2.47, the Bible says daily people were being saved. So that's at least 365 people a year getting added to the church. That's if we just do one. Conservatively, they had another increase of at least 365,000 people. You guys with me? Acts 4.4, 4, the number of men grew to 5,000. So then they started getting so many people like, we're just going to count the men. So statistically, or if you look at it conservatively, if you had 5,000 men, conservative estimates means that you had a, a minimum of 10 to 15,000 people added at that time. So right now from Acts 1, 
to Acts 4, we have about 20,000 people. Where are they meeting? What were they doing? You know, the first church building that was ever built to be a church was uh, built 312 years after Jesus went to heaven. Yet they were meeting in such large groups because they were meeting in a life group setting. Acts 5.14, they switched from addition and they started doing multiplication. That's too hard to talk about how much we're adding. We need to multiply. You guys getting this? The Bible says in uh, Acts 5.28, this is awesome. This is where the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin, they're so upset at the apostles. They say, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. So think about it. Out of 200 to 250,000 people, they literally have 100 to 125,000 people that are saved. So literally, one out of two are going to church. The Pharisees were upset. You filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. You're messing up things for us. We're no longer in power as much as we had before. Our power, our authority is getting questioned because this Jesus guy. They thought they had Jesus. They little did they know. And listen to this. The disciples in the first 25 years had more followers of Jesus than Jesus Christ had himself. The most that Jesus had following him on recorded times is 5,000 to 10,000 people. Yet the church within 25 years had 100,000 people following Jesus Christ. That's because Jesus said, when I go to the Father, greater things are you going to do. He wasn't talking about the miracles. He was talking about getting people saved, knowing who Jesus was. I want Faith Family Church to be a biblical church, and we are. And I want you guys to grab hold of the vision or the cause of Jesus Christ. Acts 6-7, we're into multiplication. It says, and the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly. So we know they were talking up to 5,000 men. We know they were able to count into the thousands. So now it multiplied greatly. Now we're at about 50,000, 60,000 people. They're like, we can't add anymore. Isn't this great church problems? These are great church problems. And some of you guys might say this, and I'm gonna, we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff. It says that um, multiply greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So the priests who would reject Jesus' teaching actually came to the faith from seeing thousands of people follow after Jesus. Not a religious thing but a relationship with God, that the priests in the temple, so the Pharisees and the Sadducees were getting livid. Now our own people are converting to this guy, Jesus. We shouldn't have killed him. That's what their thought. We should should have just let him do his thing, only a couple thousand. Now half of the city is worshiping Jesus. Now not even half of the city, but the people on the priests who are supposed to be on our side are on this guy, Jesus' side. That's what church is supposed to be about, guys. Church is supposed to be about Jesus Christ and us growing into the image of Christ. When Paul came in Acts, Paul started talking, and they were sharing with him. Now, Paul left for about 10 or 12 years. He hadn't been to Jerusalem. Maybe a little longer. could be 15 years. So when Paul leaves, he's uh, on the road to Damascus. There's just a couple thousand people. And then Jesus kicks him off his high horse. Uh, He gets saved. He has a passionate relationship with Jesus. The disciples have to kick him out. Because you ever know people who have great hearts, but they're just green? That was Saul or Paul. He loved Jesus so much, but everywhere he went, 
He was more dogmatic and confrontational in sharing about Jesus. So the apostles are like, listen, bro, we got to get you out of here. And then right after, it says this. This is why I love the scripture, because it's so honest. His whole passion changed. Instead of being a guy that was about stopping the work of Jesus, all he wanted to do was tell people about Jesus. You ever meet those people that all they want to do is tell people about Jesus, but they don't have much tact? You're in great company, because that was Paul. And the apostles are like, listen, bro, you just got to go. He's like, no, no, no. He's like, yeah, they're literally trying to kill you. You got to get out of here. So they just sent him away. He's gone for 10 or 12 years. He comes back. And let me say this. Right when he leaves, the Bible says, and everybody was happy, and then the Lord added to the church. So it's like God even like, yo, bro, you need some training time. You little green, get on out of here. Get yourself educated in how I want you to do it, not your passion. Our passions unguided by scripture are folly. You could be so passionate about telling people about Jesus, but if you're telling people about Jesus, not a biblical way that God anointed you to do it, you're never going to get his results. And then the Lord's going to say, after we got him out, the Lord added after you got out of your own way. Here's the thing. We're going to grow his church his way. We're going to do things his way. When we do it our way, we're doing it for our own reasons, our own insecurities. Does, do I think that Paul didn't love God? Oh, I think he loved him and adored him. But I think there's a growing time where he had to realize that I'm passionate about you, but I have to submit to your ways of doing it. And then Paul went from a guy who was harming the growth of the church, not because he was a bad guy, but he was just doing it wrong, to a guy that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And his churches are literally probably the reason we are sitting here today in 2022. So that gives me hope. You could start out doing it wrong where God's like, step aside, Chris, just chill. You ain't doing it right. So then I can be used by the kingdom of God to where I can be an asset to the Father, to where you guys can be an asset to the Father. I'm preaching myself really happy here, so it's okay. When Paul came back, the Bible says, and the Greek word they used were myriadus, and it's myriads. Then, instead of talking about thousands, it literally means tens of tens of thousands. So he leaves the church, and it's just growing, and then he comes back, and half the city is passionate about Jesus Christ. He's blown away. I want to talk to you guys today about five things life groups will do, or the five purposes of a life group. One, life groups are biblical, very biblical. Jesus, right after he was baptized, he was baptized, and then he went and got 12 disciples. And those 12 disciples live life with him daily. We see the example from Jesus. Two, life groups are personal. You get personal care in a life group. Large group church worship is great, but you're not going to get the small group fellowship as you would in a life group. And there's studies that show if people who attend a church, if they don't make seven friends, Within a year, they will leave the church. Most people start coming to a church to hear the message. People stay at a church for the fellowship of believers. If you want to just come to church and be in and out, it's a sign that you're prideful. I'm just being straight with you. If you want to come to church and just get fed and you're going to leave, you're not taking into consideration that God has a purpose for your life, and that's you doing the work of the ministry. 
you're never going to get anything out of church. You're going to be the people that say, well, I went to that church and I just didn't connect. Why didn't you connect? Well, did you go to a life group? No, I never went to a life group. I'm not into that. Guess what happened? What? When I got sick, something happened. Nobody came to see me. Okay. I'm just going to be honest here. You will get the best care spiritually when you're involved in a life group. You can't say you don't want to be a part of something and expect the fruit of something. That's like uh, people starting a business. They say, hey, come start this business with us. Everybody's, everybody's putting their sweat equity in. No, 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 you guys do that. The business takes off. It's massively successful. Can you believe those guys? I helped out. I gave some of my stuff, and I don't get any of the fruits of the business. You will never get the fruit of church or the benefit of church if you are doing church your way. We do it God's way. We don't get saved our way. We get saved God's way. We don't grow people up to the image of what we think we should be. We grow people up in the image of Jesus Christ. The other thing that's awesome about life groups, life groups are flexible. Church, we have to start church on Sunday. We have to start at 10. We have to be done, hopefully, 11.30. No, nobody's taking that. Hopefully, be done at 11, and we have to get out. It's a set thing. We can't, we're inflexible on that. But life groups, guess what? There is, we were doing life groups. We were part of the uh, financial piece, and we couldn't make it one day. We were sick, and we were considerate. We didn't want to go in faith like... Oh, we're in faith. We're healed, brothers and sisters. You know, we wanted to use wisdom and be courteous. So he said, hey, we can't make it. Is there any other way that we can reschedule? You know what Jorge and Julie did? They said, sure. They called the other members of the team, and they said, do you guys care if we reschedule it? And guess what? We were able to go to all the classes. We were able to be a part of everything and grow from it, where Nicole and I are benefiting from it. I thought I knew everything I needed to know about finances. Then God started putting it in my heart. I think God works in divine ways. Talk to Jorge. Hey, where would you would you be interested in hosting a life group? Um, at first. Are you interested in hosting one now? Exactly. It's because we're about being a body. It's about growing together, being a family. They're flexible. So you can do any time, any place. Four, life groups are expandable. Life groups can grow. Life groups can go from one place to the next. If like, oh, we outgrew this area. Let's go to another area. They're expandable. Five, life groups are economical. If we wanted to have a church life group for Financial Peace University, you know how expensive it would be for the church to have the AC going, turn the lights on? It'd be too expensive. You know, it'd be too expensive to have everything at the church centrally. It's not a good use of the church finances for that. It's not being a good steward. But we can all meet in house to house. We can all have a couple friends over. We can all reach people. I want to tell you guys something real fast. I'm going to run through this because uh, Pastor Mike went so long on this. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Eight things that life groups do. Acts 2. This is what we see. that Everything's based on Acts 2. One, they studied the Bible. You might say, well, I don't, I, want to, I don't want to have a life group that we're doing Bible study. I don't feel equipped. It's okay. This is what we want you to do. We want you to pray. We want you to give people a testimony of what God's doing in your life. And then we want you to give a testimony. That's it. And then you do your group. 
And when you have your group, we want you to be like Jesus. And we learn from the example of Pastor Mike and Pastor Donna. We include people. It's great that life groups are small in numbers, and this is why. They can be more intimate. They can be more real. They can be more authentic. The dangerous thing about when life groups get too big, now unless they're for a specific purpose getting big to where you can have more people involved, but that's few. That's like our card game one. That's awesome. It's very effective. We have a Euchre card game life group. It started with about four to eight people. Now we're having five games at a time. We have like 20, 20 plus people there. And everybody's involved. But the reason when you have a life group, when you want to keep the numbers small, is that what happens when you get larger groups, the loud people and the domineering people end, to be, end up being louder and more domineering. And the people who are shy, that try to come out of the shell, they get lost in the crowd. And we don't want people to get lost in the crowd of a life group. You guys getting this? It's a different service, but I think it's so important. Two, they fellowship together. They're able to talk about life together. They're able to be authentic. Fellowship. That's what it's about. You're only as strong as the group of people you hang out with in your life. I can find out who you are going to be tomorrow by who you hang out with today. Third thing, they took communion together. 1 Corinthians uh, 11. Encourage people. You want to have a Bible study? You want to have people over? Take communion. You want to hear something interesting? You know that there's no record of people taking communion in a church building in the early church. You might say, well, why is that? Because communion is not for unchurched people. It's for church people. Life groups are for church people to fellowship. When you come on a Sunday... Hopefully you're bringing your friends who don't know Jesus, and I promise you, they're going to they're gonna be able to worship God, they're going to see what it's like to worship God, and they're going to be fed spiritually. You might say, well, we take communion in church. We do. I'm just showing you the example. It's not saying not to do communion in church, it's just saying what they did. It wasn't religious to them, it was relational. If you're only taking communion when we take it at church, you're missing out on the importance of remembering who Jesus Christ is. You should do it often. I have so much to say. Not enough time. Fourth thing they did, they prayed for each other. We've had this happen a couple times in a smaller setting where we've had some people at church pray for people and God's healed them right away. It's been really cool. Uh, Recently, we prayed over somebody. I was sitting there talking to them. I'm like, we're going to pray over you. And God told me that Tia was going to pray. I say God told me. I literally just had this unction on the inside. Have Tia pray. And Tia goes to pray. She's like, uh-huh, mm-hmm. But it wasn't like having Tia come in the middle of a service say, Tia's going to pray over somebody today. And then calling that person out to be prayed over. That can be embarrassing, right? It was just like three or four people. My wife was there. Tia prays. I'm in agreement. My wife has her hand on this person. And all of a sudden... My wife feels something move in this person, like something, is, something was out of whack, not aligned. And my wife, as spiritual as she is, she goes, oh my God. <laughs> so spiritual. And Tia goes, what? Did I pray wrong? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and my wife goes, 
no, I, I felt something move. And the person that was praying was like, I didn't want to be that weird person. Like, yeah, I felt it. And like, <laughs> so you felt it too? Yeah. And they had a confirmation that God was moving and God healed. How does that stuff happen? More on a smaller setting. And it's not the pastors. You should never feel that you have to talk to the pastors. You should know that because you guys are getting equipped, that when you have a group of people together, that you are the body. You guys are the cells. And if the cells are healthy, the body is healthy. Man, I'm going to rush through. Can you give me a couple more minutes? I'm going to hear about this. Five, thank you. Seven, they sang together. What I mean by that, they sang together? Go to Christian concerts. I want to say, if you want to have a life group, have a life group that you're going to rock out at concerts. You're going to go to a concert together and you're going to praise and worship with Jesus. We did that recently. The Lord translated us. We were in a car, we were running late, and we saw this great cloud. It was thundering and lightning, and all of a sudden we were there in like a split second. Maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it felt like a split second. And we worshiped God. And one thing I learned, because we were all excited, and we got these floor seats, okay? We're going to worship God together. I ain't one of these people that are going to be like a two-hour worshiper. I'm going to tell you right now, these legs were made for sitting, <laughs> not standing for two, two hours worshiping God. So I'm sitting there, not sitting there. I think it's kind of messed up. You want floor seats? Guess what? You have to stay in the whole time in floor seats. Or you sit on the floor, which that's just... And you can't see nothing. So we went to this Christian concert, and the pastor, me, is like, this is so rude that they did not have any seats. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I know for a fact I wasn't the only one, but I'm just sharing my story. So next time I go to a Christian concert, you all want floor seats? You get them. I'll ride with you. I'm going to go sit in the seats. Because there's time that I need to just sit and thank God for cushions. Thank you. The eighth thing they did, they brought unbelievers to Jesus. There's a perfect example of this. We have people in our church that just started coming to church. They're so excited what God's doing in our church because we're doing it God's way, and they decided to do it God's way. They're inviting their friends, and their friends would not normally come. They're coming, and then they have such confidence and faith that we're going to feed their friends when they get here the word of God, that their friends are coming. That's what it's about. I'm going to say this really fast and I'm going to close. I've got two minutes. No, I'm just kidding. Five benefits to being in a life group. One, it connects me to the body of Christ. Hebrews 10.25 says this, not forsaking the assembling together or assembling of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another. Something happens when you're in a life group. 1 Corinthians 12.27 says this, uh, together you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of that body. You know what the Bible says there? Together we're the body of Christ. Together we can show people who Jesus is. By ourselves, we're never going to be as effective. Isn't it interesting that Jesus never preached a message until he was filled with the Spirit and he had the 12 disciples with him? Having friends brings credibility. Second thing, I understand the Bible better. 1 Corinthians 14, 30-31. Take your turn with no one person taking over. When you have fellowship, when you have life groups, not, it's not to be the one person. We have a men's Bible study. I'm a part of it. Dana's a part of it. We've got a couple more people who are a part of it. Jamie, Mark, Clay, Evan. 
guess what? When we're having our men's Bible study, I'm not the one doing most of the talking. Now, I can. I can get my preach on. But so can these men. And these men have a voice in the life group. It's not just me talking, the minister talking. It's the body talking, the cells being healthy. And that's what causes growth. And we've been doing that now for probably almost a year, maybe over. And it's been some of the most best days of my life is coming to a life group. I could have had the worst day going, and then I come, and I'm happy that I came. Why? Because it's God's way of doing things. You all learn from each other. I learn when every man in that Bible study talks, I don't care what they think they know or what they think they don't know. The anointing is there, and I learn from everybody. It's amazing. Third thing, prayer becomes more meaningful. Matthew 18, 19 through 20 says this, Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Where there are two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. The fourth thing it does, I'm able to handle stress better. Galatians 6, 2 says this, help carry one another's burdens, and in this way you will obey the law of Christ. When I'm in a life group and I experience this, when people are having bad days, actually uh, one person came in, they had a terrible day. They were so upset, shaken up, and they weren't going to come to the Bible study. We are like, no. Julie was talking to him on the phone. I remember the conversation. Just come. Just come. Somebody in the life group experienced uh, a dog that had passed away from another dog. They're shaken up. They're emotional. Guess what? They came to the life group and they got comforted. And the stress wasn't just their stress anymore. It was all of our stress. The concern wasn't just on that one person. The concern was everybody there saying, we're here for you. You guys getting this? I hope you are. Five, it's a place to practice unselfishness. Romans 15.2 says this, each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us, asking ourselves, how can I help? I'm just going to be straight up with you guys. I'm naturally a selfish person. I think about me more than I think about any one of you. How it's going to make me feel, how I want to do it, how I don't want to do it. This is the antidote for selfishness. When you sit there and stop focusing on yourself, and then when you look and sign up for life, you'll be like, oh, I don't want to go. I've had many a time, and our men's Bible say, I don't want to go this week. But I go anyway, and when I go, I'm filled up. <sighs> Three things the life group host is responsible for, you're going to find out if you come to the meeting. Thank you. I appreciate you all. Life truly is better together. I want you to see the church grows, and the church should be growing in numbers. When the church grows in number, there's a good chance that unsaved people are becoming saved. You might say, what is saved? That's when people say, Jesus, I accept your payment, your life, death, and resurrection for me on the cross. And that, what the Bible says, they literally get taken out of the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of his dear son. And that means that they're going to heaven. The reason we come here on Sundays is so people can go to heaven. And before, while we're in heaven's waiting room here on earth, 
we can bring as much people to God as we can because we do it his way. Church was never designed to be a, a you club. It was designed to be a place where people could call on the name of the Lord Jesus and be saved. They could be fed. They could be equipped. They could be empowered to go do a life group and see what God does in their life and in the people around them. I encourage you guys, we'll never get fulfillment out of church by just coming on Sunday. When you just come on Sunday, that's when heaven's, oh, I'm not getting fed. No, the problem, you're getting fed. You're not utilizing what you're being equipped with. You're a stallion. You might say, what does that mean? You're a stallion bred to race the race that God has set before you. And running that race includes telling people about Jesus, but also being in fellowship with the body, the cells. And you will never get the benefit of church if you just come to church. That's what I'm closing with. If there's anybody here today that you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I would like you at this time, everybody, bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're like, you know what? I really don't know. I don't, I, I've been to church my whole life. Going to church doesn't make you saved, just like going to McDonald's doesn't make you a cheeseburger. You have to ask Jesus Christ into your Lord or into your heart to be your Lord and Savior. If there's anybody in here today that you have not done that, you've grown up in church, but you've never made the commitment by faith I want you to raise your hand. I'm not going to call you down. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm looking around. I see your hand. Man, praise God. I see your hand. Is there anybody else? All right. Let's say this together. If you're online watching right now, the Bible says this. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. So right now, as a church family, we're all going to say this. Everyone repeat after me. I believe Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Woo! We're so, so excited, so excited for you because the Bible, the Bible says you've been taken out of the kingdom of darkness, and you've been brought into near his dear son. Man, God is so good. If you got born again today online, uh, please email us. We want to give you some information person that raised your hand, I want to give you some information. At this time, we're going to take up the tithes and offerings. Are you going to be over that? Are you going to... Yes. All right. Love you guys. All right. Woo-woo! Man, what a powerful message. We encourage you to go on Facebook or YouTube or Spotify after and check out that message. Put that one on repeat. That is good. Woo! All right. Um, I'm going to share a scripture with you here. This is Malachi 3, 10 um, through 11. This is such a good scripture. It says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse, which is our church, that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Woo, that is so good. And it says, the Lord says, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Man, God is faithful. When he is talking about bringing our tithes, our first fruit, that's the 10% 
of your first fruit, your paycheck, whether you're paid weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, whatever it is, is bringing that and honoring God to his storehouse, to the church, so that there is no need among us. And not only that, he will command a blessing on you. He will bring, he will open up the heavens. And this is where he says, test, test and see. You're not testing us in the church, okay? <laughs> you know, you don't need to do that. You're testing God and his goodness and faithfulness. And he, his word does not come back void. So we encourage you, we're equipping you with this tool that he wants to bless you. He wants you to trust him when you bring your fruit to the storehouse. So we're going to pray over the tithe, and then we're going to be done. And uh, if you are a giver, um, whether it's online or digitally or in person in the tithe box, I just want you to reach your hand out, and I'm going to say a prayer over you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessing of our tithe and what it does to your house, Lord, what it does and it provides for the church, Lord. And I just thank you that you command a blessing on the people that bring that first fruit, Father, that they withhold, they don't withhold it, Father, but they come with a cheerful heart, Father. And we thank you that your word does not return void, and we're reminding you of your word, Father. And we thank you for that blessing to overflow, that there is no more need in their house, Lord, that their things are blessed, that the enemy cannot devour what they put their hands to. The hour, the enemy cannot come steal their fruits, Father. But I thank you that you command a blessing on that and you command a blessing on our church. And we just thank you for the tithe and what it does in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Woo-woo. All right. Have a wonderful week. We will see you next Sunday. See you guys later. This is the end of this teaching. We hope you enjoyed it. To stay connected with our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv or like us on Facebook.